Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at www.oalaig.org where you'll find three separate speaker feeds with over 200 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Victor. Hello, I'm Victor, a real compulsive overeater. I have uh, five days, ten months, and thirteen years. And I like to say it like that to watch the old timers because their heads really turn. I'm a real compulsive overeater. Congratulations to the chip takers and the candle takers. All you've got to do is put your butt in the seat and stay here. You'll get it. It'll come to you. Anyway, I say I'm a real compulsive overeater because I was uh, I was born in the South. My mother and father divorced very early. I was raised by my grandmother. I was the firstborn male child in the family. I wasn't spoiled, but I damn sure smelled funny. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure on the dates or the times, but any woman that's had a baby will know. Uh, I did not eat for 10 months after the doctor said I should eat. I'd take the bottle, which led to another problem. When I should have been eating, I wouldn't. I didn't want it. My grandmother was about five foot two and about five foot two tall. And she did not eat off of plates. She ate off of platters. And she sat down with me on her lap with a platter full of cornbread and cabbage and pot liquor. And pot liquor, all it is, it's, and it's a saying in the South, it's just the damn juice off of what you're cooking. I don't know why they have to call it pot liquor. I never understood that. Uh, anyway, she had this platter crushed with all of this in it. And she fed me one bite. My first meal as a human being was compulsive and overeating. I ate the whole damn platter. And I've tried to make up for it ever since. Uh, Give me carbohydrates and just put some sugar on them. And I'm fine. Especially if the carbohydrates are made out of flour. I'm off and running. Today I am down... Uh, roughly 200 pounds. I say roughly because I put on some weight about three months ago. Uh, I caught something, some kind of flu or something. It was here for about three weeks. was gone for about a week. I caught something else for about three weeks. It was gone. Caught something else. Turned around, went down, got an H1N1 shot, figured I'd head that off. Went home and was sick for two weeks. Uh, most of the weight that I put on is gone. Uh, I did make some notes because I forget. I think I conveniently forget who I am. The last time somebody recorded me, they told me they were going to record me for 30 minutes. And I thought, wow. Okay. And 12 minutes later, I was done. <laughs> I mean... I couldn't think of another thing to say. And then I got here and they told me, was it 40 minutes? I don't think I've ever carried on the conversation for 40 minutes. Uh, Anyway, we'll try. Uh, What it was like, I ate. That was my friend. 
I had two younger brothers. Uh, by the time I was, I was what, about five, uh, my next door neighbor raped me. I did not tell anybody this until I was 20-something years old. I spoke to a shrink about it. And he seemed to think that, uh, or no, she seemed to think the reason was that uh, something in my makeup, I did not trust my parents. And I don't know, I couldn't tell you. By the time I was 17, I was in the Navy and gone. And, um, yeah, my, my whole emotional makeup was so screwed up, I couldn't believe it. I could stand in line to get food on board the aircraft carrier I was on and get an erection. Now, there's something wrong here. <laughs> you know, because there's a lot of things I'm going to do with that food. There's some things I'm not going to do with that food. Uh, anyway, I, I can remember that happening. And I thought that was strange. And I still think that was strange. And I'm pretty sure there's a few people in here think that was strange. But anyway, uh, I have eaten out of trash cans. I have eaten out of trash cans that were not mine. I have done some strange things in my life uh, behind food. Oh, um, God. Um, yeah, really, really strange things. Um, to start with, I'm a liar, I'm a cheat, and I'm a thief. Not necessarily in those orders. Um, I was driving to a meeting one day and saw a bumper sticker stuck to the back of a Chevy station wagon. And I could tell it was a bumper sticker, but it was the same damn color as the car. It was kind of a rust brown. And I had some trouble seeing it. And I kept looking at it, and it finally stopped, and I was laying next to it. And I pulled up, and I was looking at it, and all of a sudden my brain put together what it said. There was something on there, and it was bothering me. And all it said was two words. It said, sugar, bitch. <laughs> and I thought about that, and I said, yes. <laughs> And somebody said, I told somebody about it, and they said something about it, and I thought, oh, my God, that's me. They said, if you don't believe it, serve me a piece of cake and you a piece of cake and give you the bigger piece. <laughs> I see there are some of us in here. Anyway, I was raised very religiously. If the doors to the church were open, I was there unless I was on my deathbed, and then there were four men carrying me on the bed to get me there. I learned to lie behind a church. Didn't care for the church, didn't care for God. I knew who God was, believed in God, and I knew He was out to get me and He was keeping score, and I was way behind, so there was no making it up. Uh, I can remember being about 11 years old, and I was standing out front of the house. It was in Florida. It was hot, humid. It was about noon. I was in a pair of Levi's, standing on a tree stump, probably eight or ten inches in diameter, about five inches high, and playing with a hose, squirting it up in the air, and it was coming down on me like rain. It was hot. It felt good. And my foot slipped off of this stump. And I didn't fall or anything. It just kind of raked the inside of my foot. And the first thing I said was, God damn it. The second thing I did was I dropped down till I was almost in the dirt, squatted down on that stump, because I knew what was fixing to happen. I was going to hit it right in the ass with lightning. 
because that was the first time I'd ever swore. I found it astonishing that a child of 11 years old could have a concept of God that was going to kill him, or at least maim him, or hit him with lightning. I don't know where the lightning came from. That's that's what I, what I knew was going to happen. There was no doubt in my head. So I remained squatted down for a while, and it didn't happen. And I thought, uh-oh, boy, there's another mark in that book. That book should be full by now. It's always astounded me. I heard something one time and realized it really fit me about hunger. There's only one time in, that I'm hungry, and that's right after I've eaten. <laughs> Isn't that astounding? To me it is. Somebody said that, and I thought, oh my God. The only time I'm hungry is right after I eat. It just, it was like an epiphany. I just couldn't believe it. I didn't, I didn't know what to do with it. I sat there for a half an hour thinking about it. What is there something wrong with me? Anyway, I came into program uh, somewhere between 30 and 32 years ago. Uh, I was, I went to see a shrink and she suggested, or she wanted me to make a contract with her that I would go to a place called OA and try it. And I said, sure, do anything. She was really nice looking. I mean, I saw her one time. I was, you know where I was. I was already in love. And I'd have done anything she wanted me to do except give up food. Maybe for a week. But anyway. Uh, so I went to OA. First meeting I went to was not there. The building it was supposed to be in wasn't there. And I thought, well, okay. But I'm persistent, especially when a beautiful woman is involved. And uh, the next week, I told her about it. She said, well, check it out again and see. So I went back to the same damn place, and it was not there. I checked the address. It was not, it was, there was no such address. So I got smart. I called, got on the phone, I called OA again. And they gave me another address. And I went to this one. And there was uh, five women in there, uh, about my size. And I think one of them had 30 days. Uh, and she'd been around for a while. And after the meeting, uh, she came up and told me, she said, this is not a real good OA meeting. Nobody in here is abstinent. I had no idea what the hell she was talking about. She said, but there's one Sunday night in Downey. And that was right where I lived. He said, you should check it out. 6.30. I said, all right. So I went to this meeting. And I walked in, and there was 200 people in an OA meeting. Huge meeting. And I thought, wow. I hung around and didn't understand a damn thing they were talking about. I did hear the food thing. Heard a lot of the God thing. Wasn't too hipped on the God thing. Didn't think too much about it. Because uh, I already had an understanding of God. And I came back the next week. And I came back the next week. And I was sitting there, and I, not to judge anybody, but I looked around and I thought, you know, that lady over there, I'm not real sure she's got all her sandwiches. She's short a few for a picnic. <laughs> and uh, there was somebody else had done something. It was another woman. There was a lot of women there. And, uh, you know, there's, I bet there's papers somewhere on her. 
I was, you know, I wasn't going to turn my back on her. And there was somebody else I was pretty sure was nuts. I lost my other earring. I don't know where it went. And I heard a voice. I said, yeah, they're almost as crazy as you are. Welcome home. And I turned around to look, see who the hell was talking to me, because I had not introduced myself to anybody. And I never did find out who was talking to me. It might have been the committee. Uh, I, I've really been blessed with my committee because they think I've got a mental problem and they refuse to talk to me sometimes. Then sometimes I can't get them to shut up. My disease is like everybody else's. When I'm not practicing it, it's in the other room doing push-ups. But mine's reading really good books about me. And that makes me nervous. But, so I, I keep coming back in here, keep trying to practice this to the best of my ability. Yeah, if I look like I'm lost, I am because my train of thought just went away. Anyway, uh, 30 years ago I came in. I got within two years. I was somewhere around 330, 360. Within two years, I was hip slick and cool. I was 180 pounds. I never, I hadn't been 180 pounds since I was in the seventh grade. <laughs> Looking good. Had women hitting on me, had men hitting on me, and I had no idea what the hell to do with either one of them. <laughs> I mean, the first thing I did was I run out and got two women to sponsor. One lasted 24 hours, one lasted 48 hours. <laughs> one of them, yeah. Yeah, that's enough about that. Uh, if, you're, if you're a man and not gay, I would suggest you don't sponsor women. If you're a woman and not gay, I would suggest that you don't sponsor men. My uh, my sponsor is gay, and I think it's that works really well. I'm straight, but uh, I have no problem with homosexuals. Yeah, I don't know where the hell that came from. <laughs> no, I, he's he's got twenty something years and. He tells me things about myself that uh, that I didn't want to know. But anyway, uh, yeah, 30 years ago I came in, got hip slick and cool. A friend invited me out to uh, lunch, and I told him I couldn't go because right now I was broke. And he says, "I'm taking you to lunch." So okay. So we went out to lunch, and something happened. He uh, he didn't bring enough money and I had to pay for my lunch and I just happened to have enough money to pay for it and he had to go back to work early and I went home and I had a resentment just about that big just a little bitty resentment somebody else had one huh? <laughs> a little bitty resentment there's nothing wrong with resentments talk to your sponsor I didn't Within an hour, I was out of the way. Within one hour, I was out. A little bitty resentment. And I can tell you almost to the second when it happened. Because I went home, got home, and I had lunch again. Because I was going to show him. Yeah, I, uh, I learned to understand the thing about taking poison and waiting on somebody to die because I did and you know that son of a bitch never did die 
hadn't had the nerve to lose. Still alive today. <laughs> yeah. He is. I saw him a couple of years ago. He's doing well. I don't think he's in program, but son of a bitch is still skinny. Uh, one of the things I liked about... Uh, I heard one time from a sponsor of mine years ago. Uh, it took me... Well, I don't know. It was thirty. It was either thirty or thirty-two years ago that I came in. I was in for two years. I was gone. I've got thirteen years now, almost fourteen. Now I have fourteen in April twenty-first or twenty-second. So it took me somewhere between fourteen and sixteen years to come back at four hundred and fifty pounds. Um, one of the things I've always told people that I get a lot of feedback on is I can read minds. This is my biggest character defect. I know what you're thinking. It's about me, and it's not good. <laughs> Anybody identify with that? <laughs> yeah. I like her, but I'm not going to ask her out because I know she wouldn't go out with a fat guy anyway. I just read her mind. Well, today I'll tell you, I'm not a mind reader. I am barely a mind user. <laughs> so, if you identify with that, be aware of it. It's, it'll eat you alive. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. The God thing, that was what got me. I knew about it. I didn't want it. Uh, stayed away from it. That helped get me out of here. Because uh, when I was doing my steps, my sponsor wanted me to do a... Uh, a third step on my knees and I wasn't getting on my knees for anything and he asked me to and I said alright so I did and I damn near left over that so it's possible that I had a couple of resentments by the time I got the one that was really small but if you get them like I said do something about them talk to your sponsor talk to someone no talk to your sponsor Get it out there in the open so you can deal with it. If you're looking for a God, if you don't have one, there's a simple way that I found to do it. You write a one ad, take a piece of paper, put a line down the middle and on the right side, write, write what you want in God. I don't care what your God is. Think of be a woman. Mine was a woman for a while. Be a man. I've known people use doorknobs. It doesn't matter. Give, give yourself something to focus on. And sit down and write what you want in a God. Now, I found the easiest way to do that is on the left side of the paper, as you go along, write what you've got right now. And then write what you want. Is it loving, caring, nurturing? And once you've got that written down, take the one on the left, fire it, and hire the one on the right. And you don't have to keep this for the rest of your life. If an hour later it's not working, fire the one and write another one. Till you get a one and for a God that works for you. That's all you need. I was coming over here today. I was really nervous. I get really nervous when I've got to speak. And it was raining, and the rain let up. And all of a sudden there was this great big huge rainbow. And it looked like it was 30 foot high. Just part of it. it looked like it was ten foot wide, stuck right in the middle of the clouds. I got a real calm feeling. 
I don't know what that was about, but I really enjoyed it. Anyway, get your God. Uh, if you can't, you can't handle God, then put it on the back burner and leave it alone. So you can. There's nothing says you have to. It's just a suggestion. This whole thing's a suggestion. Nobody's going to tell you what to do. They'll suggest or suggest a lot of things. I took a friend in this program. She has over 30 years. She had to go into a room, uh, room and board for somebody to watch over her because she was getting old. And I took her from a meeting. Somebody had taken her to the meeting and asked me if I would drop her off. And I said, sure, no problem. I'll take her home. I've known the lady for, I'd known her since I came in before. And uh, I took her home. And she insisted that I just drop her off if she would go in. And I said, no big thing. I've got to go. I've got to use the restroom anyway. I want to go in. Which it was a lie, but I wanted to go in. And I went in and made sure she was checked in. I live in Southgate. I took her home, took her to her place, and took her inside, let the nurse know that she was back, and I left. I uh, went home, Southgate. This was uh, Santa Monica, uh, La Brea area. Two hours later, they called. They couldn't find her. They wanted to know if I dropped her off. And I said, yeah, I dropped her off. And I said, you know, look around. She's, she's uh, almost blind. She might have wandered in somebody else's room and went to sleep. Call you back. Okay. Hour later, I didn't call. I waited. I finally called in. Hadn't found her. This is 4.35 o'clock. 6 o'clock, they called me. They hadn't found her. And I said, okay, I'll be over and help. So I, go, I drive all the way over. I'm going I'm to find her. This I've got to do. I got over. I'm driving up and down the streets where she might have been from the meeting to where I dropped her off or where I'd taken her in and I can't find her and I'm praying this whole time God help me find her you know we gotta, I gotta find her help me and about 10.30 at night I'm still driving and praying and I got hit with this thought that I don't need to find her she doesn't need me at all all she needs is some help and I immediately changed my prayer. God help her. Ten minutes later, she was found. Now, I can't tell you if that prayer worked, but she was found. As soon as I got out of the center of it. And maybe that was just the lesson I needed to learn. Because I have a tendency to get right in the center. So I was going to help me find her. Let me be the hero. I'm going to find her. Me, 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 how about God? Yeah, my ego, you know, uh, edging God out. I have maybe been guilty of that a couple of times. We're going to abstinence. I've heard a lot of people talk about abstinence, how they can lose it, how they break it. Now, this is my opinion and my opinion only. I don't think you can lose it, and I don't think you can break it. And the reason for that is I believe it's a gift from God. And the only damn thing you can do with it is return it. Give it up. You can't break it. You can't lose it. You have to give it back. And I believe that God will stand there and hold it for you until you're ready to have it back. Not until He's ready to give it to you, until you're ready to have it back. Because God wants you to have it. It's a gift. So treat it as such. 
don't run out there and I don't to me uh, I've seen some people they do their abstinence so damn rigid that I would last about 20 minutes uh, someone once said to me you know your abstinence is your abstinence my abstinence is my abstinence and your abstinence would kill me as mine would kill you that's why it's called my abstinence not yours so be careful with it treat it as a gift I do the way I take care of my ego is I do a lot of service and I take it out every now and then and I whip it and the way I whip my ego is I remind it in words out loud exactly where I was 13 years 14 years ago I was 450 pounds I couldn't hardly move I damn sure couldn't run I ran one time and everybody, some people told me you were walking kind of fast. <laughs> I thought I was running. But I thought about it. I said, you're probably right. I couldn't run. 450 pounds. I didn't dare get uh, all, both feet off the ground at one time. Um, had to deliver a car from where I was working one time, and the guys were laughing because it was one of those small cars. And I actually got in that car exactly like I would put a shirt on. <laughs> one arm at a time. And I got in there, I had that seat back, I had the wheel, the steering wheel all the way up, and there was still no more room. Anyway, uh, why I stay in program? A friend of mine coined it for me, and I loved it, loved what she said. I could never figure out why I came in here. I think I knew why I came in here, I could never figure out why I stayed, what kept me in here. And what happened was, I came in here and I heard the music. That's all it was. I heard the music. That's what I heard when I came in. And that's what's kept me here. And uh, it's kind of like one of my favorite songs. It is Welcome to My World. I love the lyrics. Welcome to My World. It was built with you in mind. And that's about as far as I can get before I'll start tearing up. And I wouldn't want to cry in front of you guys. Uh, yeah, welcome to my world. It was built with you in mind. To me, that's almost like a prayer from God. Welcome. Thank you. You got five minutes for questions? Okay. If there's any questions... I knew it was going to happen. All right. I knew I was going to get into a room where everybody was well. <laughs> Whoops. Yes. How do you define yours? I define mine on the amount of times I pray in a day. Now, I have my abstinence and I have my food. Uh, my food is three meals a day, a couple of snacks, and I do not let myself get hungry. I do not. The last meeting I was uh, leading, I shared this same question somebody asked. And about this time, through that question, I realized I'd had breakfast and this was time for dinner and I hadn't eaten yet. And I was, I thought, now I know why I feel so grumpy. But, uh, you know, I, if I get flour in my meal, I stay away from flour and sugar. If I get flour in it, if I'm out somewhere and I've got to stop at a uh, burrito place and grab a burrito and I can't sit down to eat it, I've got to eat it in the car or whatever, then uh, most of the flour tortilla will be eaten with it. If I can sit down, I'll cut it open and eat it with a fork. 
Uh, if there's some sugar in it, I don't worry about it. Uh, I'm not going to go out and order iced tea with sugar. I used to uh, allow french fries, and I would have ketchup. But I would take the ketchup and put it on the side and mix it with Tabasco and salt and pepper and all this other stuff. And ketchup's got a lot of sugar in it. But as a friend of mine said, I allow sugar. And just as soon as I walk into a restaurant and order a bottle of ketchup and a straw, I'll call my sponsor. I hope. Did that answer the question? Okay, sure. Okay. Anybody else? I don't know. Go ahead, Derek. Did you reconcile? I have some idea of how you might have grown up um, with being in the church all the time in the South. How did you reconcile uh, to, to make it okay to write your old Eliot for God? Correct. That was a, that, that Southern God is rather um, jealous. That's putting it mildly. I know. I'm trying to be polite. No, it's fine. Uh, just did it. You know, it had to be done. Because I. It was easy to me, because I didn't want anything to do with God to start with. He had nothing I wanted. I mean, I knew what he was doing. You know, I, I could read his mind. I knew exactly what was going on. So it was actually easy. You know, most of it never got on paper. It went right to my head. Yes? Did you ever relate any of your food issues to the abuse, and if so, how? Only most of it. How did you mend your ways or not, not the food issues around you? Just things that were coming up and all that. Did you just feel feelings or feel with what came up with therapists or with your sponsor or write about it? I just, uh, the hardest thing in the world for me to do is two things. One is pick up that 5,000 pound phone and the other is pick up that 10,000 pound pencil. God, I hate that. Uh, I just talk, and that's how I deal with it. Uh, there is still stuff coming up about it. Mm. I had not thought about the abuse for about seven years, and my sponsor is having me do some writing like he knows what the hell I need. Uh, and all of a sudden it came up, and I had actually totally forgotten about it. And I've been thinking about it for a couple of weeks because I've shared, I have never shared in another meeting about it, but it just came back out. And I have not shared with my sponsor about it. And I just realized that. So that probably means, thank you, I'm going to have to do a lot more writing. <laughs> Did that answer your question? Thank you.